Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have another Friday Q&A. I really liked the conversation today. We kind of got off topic a couple times, but it was a fun conversation. We brought up some old memories. We talked about some random things that I think are very interesting that you might find enjoyable, but we also dived into some really specific questions about um, too much cardio resulting in halted fat loss, how to periodize for lean gains. We were talking about athletes periodizing their nutrition throughout the year. Um, I even took somebody's exact situation and tweaked their training and also another person and tweaked their nutrition. So we got really in-depth with the client uh, questions today. I think you're really going to joy. I think it's going to give you some practical application to use in your own systems, nutrition, and training. Guys, one real quick shout out to our sponsors, Top Notch Nutrition. First and foremost, head over to topnotchnutrition.com slash boom boom, and you can use the coupon code boom boom um, to get anything. These are the people that I trust the most with myself, my family, and my clients to get the best supplements on the market. And our other sponsorship, Creapure, which actually Top Notch will be collaborating with soon, which I'm really excited about. Uh, but they produce the best creatine that you could possibly find in the market. So make sure if you're taking creatine, find a creatine company that uses Creepure. It will be on the label. It's a green trademark. It's really, really important to source your creatine properly if you're going to get the most out of it um, and avoid these shitty scam creatines which are coming out on the market. It's kind of crazy. And there's all these different names and like lean creatine, quote unquote, and shit like that. Avoid those. Get Creepure. Do yourself a favor. Guys, if you like the show, please do me a huge favor. Leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and then head over to Instagram, post a screenshot on your story and tag myself at cody.boomboom so I can see it. Thank you and share it on my story as well. Let's get into the Q&A. Back at it. Another Q&A. Here we go. The sound of being ready. Sound of drinking coffee. Uh, Getting ready to get ready. Forgot my coffee cup today. I think I'm going to buy a set of coffee cups just for the warehouse. Because every time I try to use the coffee machine, I'm like, I don't have a coffee cup. Didn't your uh, media guy buy you a coffee cup? Yeah, I forget it at home. Sometimes I bring it. If I if I pour a cup of coffee at home and it lasts until I'm leaving. But honestly, the only time – this is actually funny. The only time I've ever remembered to bring a coffee cup to work is with the coffee cup you got me. Because all the other coffee, like by the time – like so like I'll have like my second cup before I eat breakfast. And I'll drink a couple drinks, right? Start cooking. And then by the time breakfast is over, the coffee is not warm, and I just don't want it, and I just end up grabbing my stuff and leaving. But with the coffee cup you got me, the coffee is still warm. Yeah, there you go. So that I actually bring it. And then you just rinse it, and you use it again. <laughs> dude, it's crazy, dude. That's a great. Did you Google that? No, I didn't. I just do it. <laughs> it's in the dishwasher, okay. right? Uh, got hand wash only, though. But is it really? Yeah. Oh, wash it. the bottom. I'll start <laughs> if you read the bottom. I yeah. did not read the instructions yeah. on a coffee mug. Well, I will stop putting in the dishwasher because I have been. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, Q&A. Let's get into it. First one is from CM Peck 38. 
My shoulders click a lot. Not sure that's good. Mostly when I lift them over my head. Happens a lot when I, when I'm lifting or doing push-ups, even when I'm just doing everyday activities. It does not cause any pain. It's just gross and annoying. It's loud enough for people working out next to me to hear it. Any idea of why this happens or what I can do to stop it? So I think there's a few things to this. Like number one, I mean, I have three different. I have two answers and one story. So the first answer is go see somebody, go see a physical therapist. At the end of the day, like this is a great question for a podcast and you should be outsourcing this and asking people this stuff, but you should also be um, looking for a physical therapist to assess you because at the end of the day, if I can't physically see what you're doing, um, see the way your scapula is moving, see what movements cause pain, you can tell me that pressing overhead hurts, but is that a neutral press? Is that a barbell press? Is it a kettlebell press? Are you trying angled presses versus just overhead? Um, when you press, are you actually getting overhead or are your lats too tight to where you're like pressing in front of your body? Mm-hmm. Um, those things are all going to dictate like what happens, right? Um, but you're really not going to be able to know unless you go see somebody. So if you're having any kind of discomfort or clicking or anything like that, go see a professional that literally just does movement specialty or physical therapy, whatever it may be, um, because it's, it's, it's obviously worth the time. Um, the story with this is that my knee for years popped, right? And it didn't hurt, but it was uncomfortable and it was loud. People could hear it. And I was like, like it would basically, what would happen is my knee would get like quote unquote stuck. I would take my knee. I would fucking extend it as hard as I can and it would pop back into place and it'd be fine. Go back about squatting. Yeah. Little did I know my meniscus was torn and the meniscus was it's, it's called a bucket handle tear. So it's halfway torn, shoved in between my joint. So when I was popping, I'm literally just flip-flopping my meniscus in between the joint back and forth. Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah, that's wild. And then finally, it ripped all the way and I had surgery. My point with telling you the story is that something could be going on just because you don't have pain. You should probably get it checked. Yeah. I should have got my knee checked, but I didn't because I was like, oh, I can do single leg stuff. I can do like partial range of motion squats. Like it's not a big deal. I can still build muscle. I don't care. And the pain wasn't there. And the pain wasn't there. It was just a weird clicking noise and it limited my range of motion. Now I have zero pain, zero clicking. And I can, I mean, you saw me back squatting yesterday, like ass to grass, like deeper than I've ever back squatted probably in my life because I got a knee injury before I even got into fitness. I could have been back squatting deep in, in with full range of motion and building more muscle a long time ago if I had just got it checked out. So learn from my mistakes, go get it checked out. Um, and then the third answer is like, whether you get it checked out or not, you're going to have to work around it because if they say, Hey, something's fucked up, we're going to have to stop pressing or you don't get it checked out and you just stop pressing or you don't get it checked out and you just deal with the clicking. No matter what, you should probably change your variations of exercises to uh, limit the clicking because it's probably not a good thing. So if you're really trying to build your shoulders, maybe you're not doing so much overhead pressing with a barbell. Maybe you switch to a neutral grip dumbbell, um, single arm where you're not, where you can kind of lean and, and use your momentum differently to get your arm overhead without pain. Um, stretch your lats, stretch your pecs, work on shoulder mobility, use a kettlebell, do angled presses with like a landmine instead of doing straight overhead all the time do lateral raises. So like partial lateral raises are great where you're not going all the way down or not all the way up. And you're kind of staying in that range where you don't get any clicking and you're just keeping constant tension on your delt. Um, you can do chest supported lateral raises. You can even like angle your lateral raises forward a little bit. So it's less of a a, a lateral and more of like a front slash side delt raise and twist your pinky forward to hit the rear delts. You're going to get a little bit more tension on the delt, a little bit less clicking in the joint. Um, but again, those are all just suggestions that could potentially work. I'd have to be there physically in hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Your knees don't click at all anymore? Don't click at all. Hmm. Um, I thought I heard your like knees pop. like Ankles. 
Ah. My ankles pop like crazy. They've always been that way. I don't yeah. know why. Dude, I remember. I remember. Maybe checked out. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. So I actually, you know what's funny? Is I actually did ask, the, when, I, when I got my knee surgery, I asked about that. Because if you look at the body, this is actually really interesting. So the body is, is it's called the mobility stability continuum. Yep. So your ankles are mobile. Your knees are stable. Hips are mobile. Lumbar spine is stable. Thoracic spine is mobile. And it, basically each joint goes mobile, stable, mobile, stable. So my ankles are supposed to be mobile. I'm supposed to move them. My knee is supposed to be stable, meaning very minimal movement. Hips mobile. If I have lack of mobility in my ankle or my hip, my knee will try to make up for it. So this mobility stability continuum basically says like, if I have knee pain, okay, look above and below. Yeah. I'm either lacking hip mobility or ankle mobility. Um, if I fix those, maybe my knee will ha be able to focus on its job, which is stability, and I'll be less likely to have issues. Could have been the reason I got injured in the first place. But I have really good ankle mobility. So I asked the doctor, I was like, hey, I was wondering if you could look at my ankles um, because I get this clicking all the time. Yet, I know I don't have like a limited range of motion. My calves aren't tight. Like I stretch, I do mobility. Like I can get into deep squat with a lot of dorsiflexion. And he was just, it's just a joint thing. Like some, some people's joints just crack. Like it was like nothing. So I was like, okay, good. But I do I remember uh, being at Kent Knutson's house and he had these big stairways. We lived in a one story, so we didn't have this issue, but he had these big stairs and we would try to sneak out when we were like in fucking junior high yeah. and we'd be sneaking out and my, and his parents would leave their door cracked so they could hear if anybody got out. Dude, my ankles would be like down the stairs and it's like quiet and Ken's like shut up and I'm like shit <laughs> every step and slide down the railing yeah like no shit dude getting uh, getting caught sneaking out because my ankles popping um but I don't think that's ever gonna change touche uh, Theo sent me a gif of like Rice Krispies the other day snap crackle pop like making fun of my ankles <laughs> so he remembers too it's, yeah. it's been like that yeah alright we'll go to the next question yep alright here we go it's uh from Bex Bex Johnson, I, I'm currently ready for an 8 to 10 week fat loss phase and have been at maintenance eating uh, 1,850 to 2,150 calories for the last four months. During this time, my split was, was two, upper, two upper, three lower days and am currently doing no cardio. I'm wondering how many calories you would suggest that I cut to start it. I'm wondering how many calories you would suggest I cut to start to start with if my goal is only to lose five pounds. That was grammar. My new workout split will be two upper, two lower, one hit, and one list day. Um, first, I like the split. I think that's a really good split. Um, let me know if you got that recommendation from me. I think I've said that multiple times on the podcast. I really like a split of like for fat loss, two upper body days, two lower, so like upper lower split with one hit, one list day. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's good for overall, like with cardio adding in, I think it's a good to have a blend of the, the low intensity and high intensity. Um, she is at 1800 to 20 something 1850 to 2150 so i think she she built up to that i think because i like chopped up the question a little bit i think she said like she's been slowly increasing over time so there's a few th things i would say with this like number one my question would be what were you doing before the deficit or before the maintenance phase because if you did a cut and then you were like okay i'm gonna reverse diet and then you spent four months building your calories up to that 2000 whatever over four months, yeah. I would probably say, hey, don't diet yet. Because at the end of the day, like, I think a lot of people, okay, I'm done with the diet. I'm going to start reverse dieting. And they think day one, they reverse diet. They added, let's say, 100 to 200 calories, like a small jump. They immediately think, like, okay, I'm not dieting, any, dieting anymore because I'm reverse dieting. Yes, you're reverse dieting, but you're still in a fucking deficit, 
right? You haven't gotten past that deficit. So my first thing is like, what were you doing before? Because if you were in a serious deficit before and in that four month maintenance phase, it took you two months to get to maintenance. I would say you need to spend another couple months in maintenance because that's not really four months at maintenance. That's two months in less of a deficit and then two months finally at maintenance. Um, so just for context, like people going into a reverse diet and going into maintenance, they need to understand that you have to be at and actually truly at maintenance for an extended period of time before you can jump back into a deficit successfully. Now, if you tell me that like, hey, I haven't dieted in a long time, I just actually started tracking my macros four months ago and I decided to stay at maintenance for a while, I think you did it perfectly. You were at maintenance for four months. It gave yourself a base to pull from with calories. Um, and then I would just kind of jump into it head first. Uh, she, did she give a timeline? For some reason, I thought she said eight weeks of something. Uh, she said, I'm currently, currently ready for an eight to 10 week fat loss phase. Okay. Eight to 10 week fat loss phase. So if you only want to spend eight to 10 weeks, I would probably take a more aggressive approach. I would honestly probably cut anywhere between 15 to 25% of your calories. That's a big jump, especially if you chop 25% of your calories, like that's a big drop, but it's, it's a drop that's going to guarantee results. Yeah. What I wouldn't want to say is like, so if somebody has like a limited time, I'm more likely to be aggressive because and you sound like you're committed to the process, so I don't think adherence would be an issue. So assuming adherence is an issue and we do have a limited time, say between that 8 to 12-week mark, I'm probably going to suggest going more aggressive and just, quote-unquote, dealing with it. Because I think if we go, well, let's start with 5%, well, you don't have time to waste. Like if, if 5% doesn't do shit, then you just wasted a week or two of, of – being in a, a slightly lower calorie intake and not seeing any success. Yeah. So I'd rather be like, Hey, let's pull 25. It, it'll be, there'll be moments where you're hungry and there's going to be moments where I'm going to say, Hey, drink more water. Hey, eat more veggies, eat more fiber. Like, so you stay full, eat leaner proteins. Like let's use some dieting tactics to be able to adhere better, but that's going to lead to faster and, and bigger chunks of weight falling off at the beginning. Um, and then we can pull back more frequently. So if you're in a deficit like that for a solid two weeks, I would feel comfortable putting you in a three, at least three days, but even up to like a full week of uh, maintenance. But yeah. if you only have eight to 10 weeks, probably would spend like three or four days of maintenance, jump back in the deficit and just get after it. Um, and I think you'd be able to accomplish, you know, like a solid one to three pounds per two week block. And then we're like dropping, you know, two to three pounds, take a maintenance, two to three pounds, take a maintenance, two to three pounds, and then you're done. And then it's an easy way. And the other reason I like that too is eight to 10 weeks isn't that long. So you're not going to see a tremendous amount of metabolic adaptation. Um, and you're also taking diet breaks so your body can get used to maintaining new low weights while mm -hmm. eating more calories. For sure. Um, yeah, that's how I'd go about it. I wouldn't change your training. I think it's great. I, the awesome. only thing I would say is like, and this is actually, I was talking to a client about this cause we just started their, her diet phase today. Um, after like a solid, like we kind of take people through like a, a priming phase. Uh, I, we call it a priming phase, a progressive phase, and then a recovery phase. So the priming phase is basically like, let's prepare you for a diet. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's make sure we have a good base of calories to pull from. Let's make sure you're, you have healthy habits. You're consistent, consistent with your training and your tracker, your sleeping, your stress management. You understand the coaching, uh, forms and relationship and systems. And usually we see success in that period just from dialing things in. But at this point you're ready to diet. So we, we took her through a priming phase. Now we're in the progressive phase, which is like, let's get after your goal. So if it's fat loss, we're pulling calories, we're getting after it. Um, and my advice to her was like the same I would give you is like, don't change training, don't change cardio, just keep track of your needs. So track your steps and we're looking at averages. So in her tracker, I have like, basically it calculates the averages every week. Yep. Just maintain that because one of the biggest things inside of metabolic adaptation that causes, uh, the down regulation of your metabolism and, and, and so on and just metabolic adaptation in general 
is your, your steps go down so much. But if you're tracking them and you try to maintain them, you're less likely to stall out in weight loss if you can just maintain those steps. Because when we eat less, we move less, right? Yeah. The only thing we can control is our steps. We can't really – can kind of control how much we stand. You can't really control how much you fidget or move or things like that. So if you can control your steps, you're going to be able to control metabolic adaptation a little bit more. Yeah, control and track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, by the way, I, I wrote a really – really good and long blog on reverse dieting. I think I'm going to call it reverse dieting 101 and it should be on the site by the time this airs. So assuming it is, uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. I dive deep into what metabolic adaptation is, what to look out for, how to avoid it, what to track, um, how to go through a reverse diet the right way instead of the wrong way. Um, so on and so forth. So it's really, really informative blog for sure. All right. By the way, have you, have you, have you looked at the new blog yet? Not like there's just the site, but like actually like the new like blog 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 page yeah yeah like if you click on a blog it's cool it has like we added a couple things that i just think are really cool like there's a loading bar so yeah. as you scroll the bar like expands so kind of like we did in the videos yeah, yeah, so yeah. it shows you how far you are along, along with the, the read yeah nice. um at the top it tells you how long it'll take to read yeah so it'll say like 13 minute read there's a there's a calculation you can do on based, an average yeah based person. on <laughs> based on how long it takes the average individual to read a thousand words and yeah. you like do the math and it like calculates it for you um, and then there's like a key takeaways thing. So like, right when you go to it, it's like, this is how long it'll take, like take to read. And here's your three key takeaways of the blog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before you even read it, it's like, this is what you're going to learn. This is what to know. This is what to remember. Like, boom, boom, boom. That's sick. It's dope. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious because the, uh, blogs have got to be significant enough to have a scroll bar. I mean, it's not, you'd think like a regular blog might be like two scrolls, but well, dude, like, like so, the bar so, doom, doom. <laughs> it used to, it's different now. So like blogging is becoming more and more about like, in, it's more informative. It, they're almost like mini eBooks now For sure. yeah. because so like, I remember when I first started, I would write a blog that was like 500 words. It would almost be like, like what motivated me to train today. And it's just like a quick rant on like getting into the gym and getting after it. Now it's like, I'm writing at least 2,500 words. Like for good SEO, you want about 2000 or more. So like for me, like most of my blogs are two, three, four, sometimes even five. That supplement one was 10,000 words. Yeah. Like actually I was thinking it was like 13. But like the the reason for that is is like if you look at the way social media has evolved over time, it makes sense because once upon a time blogging was almost like a journal entry or like a caption. Yeah. Right? You could write a short blog about a random topic. But now that's what we do on Instagram. We're on podcasting and stuff like that. So now it's like blogs are reserved for less frequency but way more in-depth perspective more information yeah. and more yeah education dude it was it was crazy we were i was talking me and my mom drove up out to port angeles on sunday and we were talking about uh something about just like how like building business online right and i was like it's fucking crazy that like when i was a kid i remember getting our first computer and having dial up internet oh yeah and like you guys were trying to figure out how to use it before you would let us use it and like yeah. it was like this new thing and it's like how does that happen in, in just two decades, 20 years? Like going from like it's it's a new thing to have a computer in your fucking house with dial-up internet. That's a kind of like a new thing. Not everybody had computers to people are shooting live videos that are being broadcasted around the world yeah. in like that fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want to argue that it was significantly less than 20 years. I mean I think it, it started around 1990, give or take. So that's 30 years ago. Oh yeah, I forgot about. I, I'm talking. Yeah, I was born in '92, so I'm thinking like when I was okay. Like, it was 20 years, yeah. When I was like six or seven, you know what yeah. I mean, which would have been '98, which was about 21 years ago, 22 years ago. I'm thinking by 2000, 
we had extremely fast internet. I remember dial-up, dude. In 2000? No, but like I'm just – like if I remember dial-up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I could – I had to have been – in 2000, I was eight years old. Okay. You're right. You're you know right. what I mean? Like, 20 years, yeah. So – but even even then, like I mean yeah. just like the evolution of what is possible online. Yeah. Like what we're doing right now. Yeah, no, no, no. That's absolutely <laughs> fucking insane. I was listening. To, uh, you know what made me think about this actually the first time was Joe Rogan's stand-up that we went to at the Paramount. And he was like uh, – he, he started by talking about the Declaration of Independence. And he was like, why are we still trusting this? This guy – they didn't even have pens. He was writing with a feather. I was cracking up. And he was – it's so outdated. And I don't even – I couldn't even like say if that's accurate because I don't know what the Declaration of Independence says off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, so I couldn't like critique it. Right. Yeah. But he was saying that and I was just dying. Cause I was like, that's so true. Like we've evolved so much. Why are we still listening to that? Yeah. And then he was talking about like, just like the evolution of like him seeing the internet grow. And yeah. I was like, dude, that is mind blowing. Yep. Now he has a million people watching his YouTube videos live. Like as he streams it, like you yeah. can just turn the camera on and it's live broadcast. Like what? Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, dude, that, that is so well, it, it took a while to get going. But I'd say the last like 15 years, it, you know, went from dial up to, you know, T1, blah, 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 so fast. Yeah. Like, I mean, it took a, that's what a while saying. to get the ball rolling. Yeah. But once it was, it, it's going so fast. Yeah. Well, you think, you would think that like with what technology is today, you would think that that would take 50 plus years. Yeah. Like the fact that it's only been a couple decades. And even like you said, in the last decade, the last 10 years, it's yeah. been like insane. Last 10 years has been insane. I'm like, I, I said to my mom, I was like, I do not even want to know what like things are going to be like when Blakely's in high school. I do like that's <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Yeah, dude. Fucking we can't even get comprehend it right now. No, like because the people that are developing writer, right yeah. her hoverboard to school. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, I'll be home in five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Teleport. <laughs> All right, let's get on to it. Uh, next one is from Hayden Dry. Hi, Cody. I listened to your podcast number 372 about how stress impacts the body, and it really hit home. I began dieting and working out about three years ago for weight loss. What started out as a healthy, balanced eating gradually turned into increasing the restriction and cutting, which eventually led to eating about 1,200 calories a day for an extended period of time. I also increased the amount of time working out. Eventually, I started a half marathon training and increased calories some increased calories some but was still sticking to an extremely high protein low carb low fat diet for about five months recently i began eating more normal quote unquote however it was super consistent it wasn't super consistent mostly consisted of a a lot of cutting for a few days and then a lot of eating during that time i gained about 15 or so pounds back and initially lost 40 pounds and now cannot lose it no matter what i do I'm currently consuming max 1,600 calories a day and counting macros, 140 protein, 160 ca- uh, carbs, and 44 fat. She she gained 40 pounds back? Or no. During that time, I gained about 15 or so pounds back. I initially lost 40 pounds. Uh, so she lost 40, gained back 15 to 20. Yep. Okay, got it. Currently, I run distance five to, five to eight miles several days a week and also do Orange Theory Fitness. I can... I'm concerned in the inability to lose weight come from too much cardio and three years of calorie deficit. Do you have any ideas on this? I was going to try to shorten that question for you, dude, but yeah. I, I literally there's couldn't. so much context. Yeah, I couldn't. So there's a couple, like, my quick and simple and just easy answer is honestly that stop Orange Theory, pick 
two days a week that you want to run five to eight miles and then commit to four days a week of lifting. If I had really wanted to sell you on something, I'd say join the elite. I'll tell you exactly what program to do because that's what I do inside the group. I literally direct people on what to do and what training program, how to adjust, so on and so forth. But that would be Taylor, my recommendation. Taylor Trainer. The Tailored Trainer. Um, I know I'm, I'm like, I think it'll be live by the yeah. time this airs. So if it is, the Tailored Trainer, personal trainer in your pocket. Either or. Ding. Yep. Um, so what I would say is like join the group, commit. It's $59 a month for unlimited access to a coach to guide you on what you do for training and an app that literally tells you exactly what to do in the gym and it's periodized week after week, month after month. It's honestly sometimes when I think about like the cost of the value of it's like, it's like kind of ridiculous when I think about it. Um, but that was the whole point of creating You put it. out so much free stuff here. That's not your worry. <laughs> True. Um, but my point with this is, is like jump in there. You could do a four day a week split, which could be like an upper lower or a full body or even like a uh, specialization phase. Cause we have those in there too, depending on if you have like imbalances or specific muscles you want to work on, but like committing to some just pure strength, because right now I think you, I think you're hundred percent right. I think you're doing way too much cardio. Um, and I think your, your body has just adapted to what you're doing. So you're super efficient at what you are doing, which is the goal of being a distance runner. Yeah. You want to get really good at running distances. So if you want to keep doing that because you enjoy it, I think you should run, but it's not going to lead to fat loss or a better physique. Yeah. Building muscle will do that. So what you should do is cut out orange theory because essentially orange theory is becoming less advantageous to you uh, because you're so aerobically fit compared to somebody like me. If I joined Orange Theory, I would actually like if I was going to like okay, I'm going to do a cut, I'm going to jump in Orange Theory twice a week. It'll actually do really good because yeah. I'm not aerobically uh, uh um efficient. Like yeah. I, I don't do a ton of conditioning and I haven't. Like I've I've done more lately, but someone like me that would work. And that's why like I don't do a ton of it when I'm trying to gain or just before and then like every once in a while I'll throw it in there cuz it's going to create a bigger adaptation for sure. but for her she's not getting that much out of it because she runs so much so if you enjoy running i think you should run just for the performance and the enjoyment because some people get that like runner's high you know where they just Absolutely. they just feel good or whatever i wouldn't know because i don't get that yeah. <laughs> um but I, but I, I i think i get what they mean because i get that from this sounds weird but like uh if i like jump and you actually you you would get this um, cause I forgot you used to do this with your dad. If I jump on a longboard or a skateboard and I go just cruising down a big ass hill where yeah. I don't have to like constantly push, I can yeah. just, dude, I get, I get that runner's high. Yeah. Like, cause it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of adrenaline, but it's just, it's like you're in flow, Absolutely. you know? Um, so I get that, but, uh, same with snowboarding, but I would keep doing it for that. And then I would focus all your aesthetic pursuits on strength training four times a week. And then probably reverse dieting because I think you need more calories. But the first thing I would do is just change your training. I think that's like a very obvious like elephant in the room like that needs to change. And I think a lot of people would be surprised who are in similar situations um, where and, and actually uh, Cliff Wilson, uh, a bodybuilding prep coach, he's probably one of the most well-known natural bodybuilding prep coaches. So he gets people prepared for natural bodybuilding shows. Um, he's probably one of the most well-known because he just – I mean, dude, he has put so many pros on stage. It's fucking insane. Um, but he posted two things. First one was today and he was talking about like, uh, natural physique. It was actually really funny. He showed a picture of him with a shirt on and he's a naturally like a thin dude and he has a kind of a thin face and he was just standing there and he just like looked like an average dude, just skinny, just not. And then he like took a shirt off and he had a tank top on and he was flexing and he just looks massive. And it was a one minute difference, but it's just like wear a baggy shirt and position yourself weird and then like flex, you know what I mean? Um, and then the other one was a female, it was a, it was a year long transformation at the same weight picture one. She was like, I would call 
not necessarily skinny fat, but kind of like she wasn't super overweight, but she definitely had fat to lose and she wasn't like super lean or anything. And then the other picture, she was super fucking lean and it was the same weight. Um, but she looked the same, like, and the whole point was that she spent a year trying to build muscle with strength training and it was this huge transformation. So a lot of women who are doing a lot of cardio or dieting constantly, and they're trying to find this physique and they can't, they can't find it. The best advice I can give is like, stop doing what you're doing, which should be intuitive. Like I want a result and I'm not getting it. Okay. Well, whatever I'm doing right now is obviously not working. Yeah. So change it. Um, and jump into strength training. Like I think a lot of women fear that it's not going to burn enough calories or that, um, they don't want to get bulky, but there's not, I don't even have anything to say to those things anymore because I've said it so many times. There's so much science to prove it. And there's so much anecdotal like proof of like women that we are putting transformations online and people like me who do the same thing. It's like this shit works. Yeah. Um, people are, uh, this is a question, not a statement, but are a lot of people like connected or hooked on the calorie thing? Like just hundred percent because like if you jump on a treadmill or even, I don't know if orange theory does this, but I know some groups do this where they'll wear like a heart rate monitor when they do it and it shows a screen and it'll show you like how many calories you're burning and stuff like that. And it's, it's a really, it's just a marketing tactic because if I'm running and I see like, Oh, I'm burning more and more calories. Like it motivates me to keep going. However, it doesn't take into consideration how much body fat you have, how much muscle mass do you have. That ratio changes how many calories you burn per minute per hour. Um, what's your VO2 max? Nobody in that gym fucking knows. Like, I don't even know mine. You have to go to like a laboratory and test that. But that determines your output of power. That'll determine your, your energy expenditure. How many calories are you eating every day? That determines your calorie expenditure. When was the last time you dieted? What's your metabolic health? That determines your calorie expenditure. So to say that this is correct is false. The only time I ever say that you can look at a, uh, a calories burned scale is if you are doing repetitive intervals and you're using the same machine. So like on your program, I have 10 calories on the assault bike, mm-hmm. right? That assault bike's not going anywhere. So every time you jump on it, it's going to be the same reading. Yeah. So I know it's a consistent metric we can measure. But if you're in a different class at a different time in a different gym or on an elliptical one day, a treadmill one day, assault bike, it's all going to be different. Yeah. And you're not, I'm not doing that because I'm like, you need to burn 10 calories. I'm doing that because that's a measurement of how long I want you to go. I yeah. know it's going to take you about a minute. I know that your output's going to be at a certain intensity. And I'm like, get after it. Yeah. Take you longer than a minute. I was like. Takes me about a minute. Damn. But like, my point is, is but that's. Like so a minute 45. So my VO2 max is higher than yours. Yeah. Right. So my, my power output's just higher. Yeah. Because I've been training longer. Yeah. So like in six months, I guarantee that 10 calories will take you way less time. And if you look at your wattage on the assault bike, your wattage will be higher because you're producing more power uh, yeah. um, because you build an aerobic capacity. So, yeah. um, but I think like the whole point with that, me saying that is like, you can't really look at calories burned as a accurate measurement, especially if you're changing machines and doing things yeah. like that or using like a, a, like I'm using my Apple watch one day and then I'm using elliptical one. You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't yeah. work like that. Side note. I was actually thinking about talking to you about this. Um, so yesterday my finisher was 50 calories on the salt bike. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking it takes that. Yeah. It takes about, you know, almost two minutes for 10 calories. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, dude, but, um, time five, it's going to take me about 10 minutes. Well, every, like every two minutes it was getting, it took me less time. Mm-hmm. It only took me seven, like six minutes and 50 seconds to do 50 calories mm. and i was like man my math was way off but i kept watching it and from 20 or like from 10 to 20 and 20 to 30 it got quicker 30 to yeah. 40 got quicker and it was even quicker from 40 to 50 so and i was like i think that's probably because you're more of a slow twitch than a fast twitch or more of an oxidative than a uh, anaerobic like more of an aerobic person 
anaerobic, which would make sense because like the sports you've played, um, even golf, like it's it's low intensity, but it's yeah. long as fuck. Yeah. Um, I remember like training really hard and I was more anaerobic because I was doing a lot of explosive strength stuff and I would get sore and tired from golfing because I'm just walking and swinging yeah. all day or soccer is very aerobic because you're running constantly. You played soccer, yeah. um, snowboarding, outdoor stuff. It's all like a rope. You know what I mean? You're just continuously going. So what's probably happening is like that first one minute period of time is the most draining for you because that's purely ATPPC. It's purely anaerobic. It's like you're Blood glucose kicks up, your AT kicks up, ATP kicks up. It's more of an explosive, like fast twitch, like yeah. get the job done. Once your slow twitch fibers start kicking in, your oxidative system kind of takes over. That's yeah. more aerobic. You're probably able to sustain longer because it's yeah. more of a sustainable effort. Absolutely. So for me, I'm the exact opposite. Like mm. first couple minutes, I'm like cruising through. And then like by like minute three, I'm dead, bored, tired, mentally unmotivated. Like it's just hard. Huh. Yeah. But that's why I've been doing more like longer duration stuff because that's like a part of my fitness that I need to work on. Yeah. See, I would say like first minute or two for me, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Like it's for, it's tired, but then like, and I'm like, damn, I have, I have to go to 10 minutes theoretically. And I'm like, all right, by minute four or five, I'm already still going. I, I just keep going. Yeah. It's like just yep. clockwork, you know, yep. it's just like, I just have to keep going. Yeah. And it's just like, man, anyway. It's interesting how people differ like that. Yeah. The first three minutes is worse than the last four. Yeah. Or whatever. All right. Cool. Excellent. Uh, one more, uh, we got, oh no, sorry. Two more. There's looks like one. Okay. So one, uh, this one's from Janice space VD spash space R I J X T 18. Whoa. Yo. Instagram time. We're not using the video. Oh, I mean, it's beyond time. Okay. I totally, I was focused on this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. That's a wild name. Yeah. All right. Next question. We're going to go Janice space VD space, space R-I-J-X-T-18. <laughs> crazy Instagram name. <laughs> That's a crazy Instagram name. All right. says, hey, Cody. Really- Yo, real quick, real quick. What was your first uh, AIM name? Do you remember AIM? Absolutely. AOL Instant Messenger. What yeah. was your first AIM name? The same one I have today. What is it? T- Snow Wake Border 39. Snow Wake Border 39? Yeah. Um, one W. You still have AIM? No. My email, my all my oh really. Besides, I, before I started working with you. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I've only seen your email today, Charles Queen oh, or yeah, Team yeah. Queen or whatever. Um, that's funny. Mine, uh, I didn't know how to set it up, so my brother set it up for me, and he wouldn't change it for me. I was so. <laughs> my brother was a skateboarder, and back then I was a rollerblader, and he made it fruit booter like thirty nine or something like that, and he wouldn't change. And I literally had a fruit booter for like, and I was like, it's like. Calling a skateboarder a wood pusher. Oh, I know. Yeah, and I was fucking pissed. Yeah, but I was nice at rollerblading, dude. But that pissed me off. That was my first aim name. Yeah, and I did that. I don't even know when I did that. Probably when I was nine. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was young. And I've had it till I was fucking tw- aim. Twenty-eight year, twenty-seven. Dude, we would <laughs> sit in a room and aim people for like. Oh, a, absolutely. Just out, just sit there. Yeah. Were you in laptop class? No, no, we didn't have that. Yeah. Um, I remember. I think they took that away by the time I got there. Really? Wow. I was, it, the, first, it, I was it, the first one. It just went into regular computers. I remember oh. I remember the first computer class I had, or like I had a class that we would go to the computer lab. We had those colored Apple computers. Yeah. Remember those? The box, the, the rounded yeah. back. That's like from Zoolander. Yeah. Have you never seen it? <laughs> God damn it. That gift that I sent you. 
So there's like so you know what Zoolander is though. So like yeah. Zoolander is about models that are really dumb, but they're really good looking, uh, and that's like the whole funny thing. They're just stupid. Okay. And uh, like they're on this secret mission because they have to like save the modeling whatever, and uh, they sneak into this building and they're doing like a spy secret mission. And the they have a smart friend who's kind of like their ear, like saying like what to do. Okay. And they're like, okay, we're in the office. And she's like, the files are in the computer. And they're like looking at the computer. They're like, they're in the computer? And they're like hitting the computer trying to like get the files out of it literally. And they start like – so they jump on the, the desk and they're like making monkey noises and pounding on the computer trying to like figure it out. And they break the computer. And they're like – we have the files and they like throw it on the ground and it shatters. And she's like, Oh my God, you just like, and then they don't win because yeah. they broke the fucking computer and the files were in the Damn. documents or whatever. Yeah. But that's why like whenever I, I'm confused about what you're saying, I send you a gif of them like pounding on the computer. Gotcha. Oh, about technology wise. Yeah. Oh. That's where you're that right. comes from. The audience is going to crucify me for not being able to see that. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> you've seen, you've seen all the Adam Sandler movies though. Yeah. Dodgeball. Yeah. Good. There was another movie. There's there's another movie you haven't seen that I'm trying to remember. The Entourage is probably the one. No, because that's fine. I don't think that's, I don't think that's one that you have to like. It's not a classic from our childhood, but whatever. All right, let's keep going. Hey Cody, really looking to uh, get your take on what five day split I could do for my workouts. I'm looking to build strength and get some overall good conditioning as well as build muscle. All of the above. I was thinking about doing a three day strength conditioning program along with a two-day accessory program thoughts i think a three-day strength plus two accessory day works well if your number one goal is is just strength and you're like a power lifter so like i have uh i have a a power lifter that i'll be writing a new program for starting i mean when this is recording next week and we're doing uh, a dup so it's like three days of power lifting so every day it's basically just bench squat deadlift and we're doing uh, a mixture of hypertrophy, speed, and strength on all those days. And then two days a week, it's like GPP, which is accessory work, general physical preparation. So we're doing a little conditioning, a little mobility, little like uh, working on imbalances, like for her like thoracic extension and stuff like that. Um, but that's not like going to be the absolute best for conditioning. It's not definitely not the best for hypertrophy. That's purely like, okay, you need to get really good at deadlifting, bench pressing, and squatting because you're competing in those three lifts. Um, so for somebody that has very similar goals to me. Like my number one goal is like, I really just want to be fucking big and jacked, but I also like to lift heavy and I want to be like fit. So I need some conditioning. So the best split in my opinion is to do for five days, either going to be upper, lower, upper, lower, full body. And the way you could do that, or you could do full body and then upper, lower, upper, lower. But the way you could do that is you basically have your upper lower days is like hypertrophy. So nothing really dips below eight reps. It's all hypertrophy work. And then you're full body day is like kind of like a DP. It's like a, it's a bench squat deadlift day. Come in, do like a heavy bench for three, four, five reps, heavy squat, three, four, five reps, heavy deadlift, three, four, five reps, maybe finish with some conditioning on that day since it's the most neurologically taxing. Um, so you could do some like row or assault bike sled, something at the end of it for your conditioning. Um, and then rinse and repeat. So it's like upper, lower, full, or you could do, um, if hypertrophy is more of your focus and you just want to see some progressive strength gain, I would go with like, uh, we have a program called Muscle by Science, and then we have a female physique program that's like tweaked just for the more, more of the female physique, um, obviously, and it's uh, upper, lower, rest, push-pull legs. Um, so more of a bodybuilding style, but the upper, lower days are more like conjugate max effort. So you get some strength in like 
heavy fives and then like six to 10 rep range. So still going heavy. And then the push pull legs is like high rep, hypertrophy volume. Um, so that's another option too. I also like for me right now what I'm doing, which I'm actually probably going to switch soon because I've been increasing my calories and I'm just recovering so fast. I'm probably going to add another a sixth day, but I'm training five days right now, six days if you count my conditioning day, but it's basically like upper, lower conditioning, upper, lower, and then a specialization day. So on Saturday, I come in and I just do backs, back, shoulders, and arms. So it's just bro work, like 15 to 20 reps, hella pump stuff, cable, um, just literally come in and just have fun, get a pump, um, and just target back, bicep, shoulders. Like that's a good way to do it. Um, and that's my fifth day. Um, so there's a lot of ways you can do it. Um, I probably wouldn't do three strength to accessory cause I just feel like it's, it's, it's very random. Um, if you're going to do that, I would just go with like a full body program where you're doing like, you have like a chest emphasis day, a quad emphasis day, a back emphasis day, a glute emphasis day, and a shoulder and arm emphasis day. But every day you're doing a little bit of everything. Um, Jeff Nipper came out with a really cool program. Um, I always just buy everything everybody comes out with because I just like to see what people are doing. Um, But it was a cool, cool program the way he set that up. Very similar to how I would set up a full body program for somebody who wants to just build muscle. Um, So I would be more inclined to do just a general full body versus like having strength and accessory days. Um, And then, but I I personally think like if your goal is, is if you have hypertrophy in your goals whatsoever, I think the smartest thing to do is have some kind of a split. So having like an upper lower push pull legs or a upper lower, upper lower, and then a fifth day for either full body strength or a specialization and then conditioning you just sprinkle in. So like, um, and if you, I mean, you've had this on your programs, like you get done with the strength day and then all of a sudden there's like sled and carries at the end. Yep. So push the sled, pull, uh, do some farmer's carries. Um, or it's like, Hey, we're going to do EDT. So you have like 10 calories on the salt bike, push ups, rows, curls, and you're just doing 10 minutes nonstop. Um, or you can have a separate day where you come in and you just do intervals. Like today I'm doing conditioning. It's just going to be sled, uh, carry complex, ab work. It's just conditioning. So there's a lot of ways to do it, but I think conditioning comes at the end because it's the easiest one to f- sprinkle in. Gotcha. So that's how I'd go about it. Yeah. All right, last one. It's going to be from Jonathan Jonathan Lutz, three. You know him? I don't, but there's a pro skateboarder with the last name Lutz that is like unbelievable. Hopefully it's him, man. That would be really fucking cool. Yeah. Highly doubt it. I'm trying to think of what that guy's name is because it's not it's not Jonathan. I know that. Oh, well, that's probably not him. Yeah. It's a, I think he's from Argentina, Spanish guy. There's uh, three questions here. Dope. Let's go one by one. One, on one. one by one. All right. So what should nutrition for college athletes during intense training periods look like? High carb, high protein for the most part. Like I think the best way to like periodize your nutrition for an athlete is, is going to be to – Basically, like if you're an athlete and your number one focus is just performance and you're not trying to lose, like taking out the idea that like you don't need to get bigger or lose weight because there's sometimes like I've worked with basketball players that are like, dude, I like, I just need to perform. Okay, cool. Maintenance. We just, there's no reason to put you in a surplus because then you're going to feel grok down. There's no reason to put you in a deficit because you don't need to lose weight. But then I've worked with other basketball players that are like, I'm too scrawny. So it's like, you need to get in a surplus and we're going to try to do it the right way. So you don't feel groggy on the gym or like lethargic, but you need to put on weight because you're too small and you're getting pushed around on the court. So I think it depends where you're at. But assuming that you don't need to lose weight, don't need to gain weight, um, I think it's best to stay at or just slightly above maintenance. So if you're – and this can fluctuate because as an athlete, 
your energy expenditure changes. Like, what did you do at practice today? Did you have training as well um, in the gym? Did you have a game? Like, everything you do is a different energy expenditure. So usually with athletes, the best approach is to have, like, a range of where they think their their maintenance is at. So that could be, let's say, between three to 3,500 calories. So 3,000 to 3,500. It's like a 500-calorie gap, which is a big gap, but it's not massive. Um, and we can kind of adjust as we go. So like what I have, like some athletes do is like, Hey, on those days where you pull two days, we're adding a, an extra shake. It's very simple, but it adds an extra 500 calories. It's extra carbs, extra protein. Like it's just, just add this because then you don't have to like think about like how you're fluctuating. It's like in any day you have a two day, add this shake after the second workout done or the first workout done simple. But throughout the year, what you're going to want to do is basically like as the season approaches, usually intensity ramps up. It's more important. You get less deloads, less time off because you're practicing, you're in the gym and you're starting to have practice games preseason than actual games for any sport. Really. Um, the only caveat would be UFC because it's just random per individual. But in that sense, you would basically just increase carbs and lower fats. So let's say you're at maintenance and we can just bring carbs up as energy expenditure goes up. Protein is going to always stay around your body weight in protein. But as energy expenditure increases, it's just – and it's obvious. You just increase carbs as that happens. So with energy expenditure going up because activity is going up, you're slowly just bringing carbs up with that. Um, and then adjusting, like I said, depending on how hard you go that day, you can add a shake, add carbs. Um, and and it, even if you don't add a shake, it could be as simple as like if you always have white rice with your with your dinner, like you're just adding a little more rice on those days where you go real hard or you have a two-day or whatever it may be because you're just adding more carbs, which adds more glycogen, which replenishes deple- uh, a depleted carbohydrate system. Yeah. Really, really simple. Um, but you're going to have a higher carb approach, lower fat. Um, not low fat, but low, lower because again, we're just mainly, the only reason we're lowering fats is really just because yes, like we're going to speed up digestion of those carbs. So if you're practicing more, you're training more, you're playing games, you have two days, you're more active. We want those carbs being refueled pretty quickly. Fats slow that down. But then also too, if we're trying to stay at maintenance, so you don't feel lethargic, we have to lower fats in order to increase carbs to stay within those calories. Um, and then when off season comes, you kind of just bring that back to a baseline where you just lower carbs to a point where you're still getting more than enough to recover, but you're bringing fats up as well to give you more satiety, give you slower digestion because you're not training as often. Um, and potentially, um, there could be some benefit to say like after a, a really stressful season, your nervous system and hormones might be taking a hit and it might sure. be helpful to bring those fats up to just replenish the hormonal system as well. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's how I would kind of shift between seasons. Yeah. Well, let's go to the second one. We got uh, number two. Is nutrient timing important for recovery or is overall calorie consumption and macronutrient intake what matters? If nutrient timing is important, should I eat carbs before bed in my intense conditioning session is first thi- or first thing in the morning? Yeah, so I think there's there's two schools of thoughts here. It's And it's like – there's always like a, a, a pyramid of importance, a hierarchy of importance. And I think it changes between gen pop and athletes and then aesthetic like physique athletes kind of fall in between because it's not as important as it is for an athlete who, whose number one goal is performance because they need to perform. Um, but it's more important than gen pop. And basically for like a gen pop hierarchy, it, it goes calories, macros, micros and the meal timing and micros is going to be vitamins, minerals, food quality, food composition. And then for the athlete who is performing and needs readily available fuel constantly, it's going to go calories, macros, meal timing, then micros. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason for that is because if we're doing two a days, if we need to perform 
at our best on a dot at a certain time, whatever it may be, it's really important to time our meals accordingly to make sure we're not digesting during training, that we have ready available glucose, um, glycogen, that our blood glucose is, is filled and, and ATB is pr- producing. Like all these things happen from nutrient timing. Even like when we're putting fruit and starch and fats and protein and all those things, they all lead to better performance and recovery. But those performance metrics that happen from timing our nutrients specifically really only happen if you're uh, an advanced lifter because that's usually when you are leaner than the average person, you have more muscle mass than the average person, and you're performing at higher levels than the average person, meaning you're going to notice those things more. So if I take an advanced individual and I completely reshift his nutrient time to be optimal, I always hear like, man, I feel way better in the gym. But for the average individual, they're just not at that level yet. So that's kind of unnecessary. It it basically just adds to the complexity and makes adherence harder for that person, which is not the goal with Gen Pop. Um, but for somebody like I'm assuming he's a college athlete based on his questions, um, I would say nutrient timing does matter. Calories and macros are still more important because I don't care how perfectly you time your protein and carbs. If you're still under fueling your body, you're going to perform like shit and you're not going to recover fully. Um, so it still comes afterwards, but it is more important than gym pop. Dope. All right. Last one. Lastly, if I'm wanting to stay lean while gaining size, what should my calories look like? Can you already say that in the first one? Yeah, I think I think this comes in two ways. Like if you're if you're trying to gain size but stay lean, you could go one of two routes. You either find maintenance and then add fifty to one hundred fifty calories, which is barely anything, but like a very small surplus, and you be patient as fuck. Like do that for a year. You know what I mean? Like that's because that's a really slow process. But if you're really trying to stay lean, that's that's truly what it takes. It's like a very slow, granular approach. If you're performing on a regular basis for sport, that might be the best bet because then you're not feeling super heavy or lethargic um, and not trying to shovel food. But if you're just chasing a physique, I actually would probably not try to stay as lean and just be okay with gaining fat because there's some research that shows like if you have a little bit more body fat in your body, hormonally, you're going to be more able to build muscle. Um, and it's easier, like even for me, like I'm purposely adding some fat right now because if I chase the scale on such a slow pace, I would just go crazy. I'm still taking a slower approach than some people because I don't want to get fat. But if you're going at like, for me, an advanced lifter as a natural, if I'm really watching it at the slowest rate possible, I would barely see changes week to week and it would be really hard for me to stay motivated. So I like going like kind of in the middle where it's like you're, you're seeing the scale change. You're allowing a little bit of fat to come on, but you're building muscle at a faster, more efficient rate. Um, and then in, you know, three to six months, I'm going to cut. Yeah. And just re- rinse and repeat. So I would probably either A, if you're an athlete performing, you need to make sure you're not too heavy and bogged down on the field. I would probably go the very slow route, six to 12 months, and like do a very small surplus. If you're not on the field anymore, you were just asking, let's say you were asking clients about athletes for your clients. I would probably go a faster approach, spend six months gaining, allow some fat accumulation, do like a three-month cut, six months gaining, three-month cut, rinse and repeat. There you go. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com slash sign up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. 
This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Cody at BoomBoomPerformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.